blessed day everyone today i want to talk about a somewhat uncomfortable topic that topic is why is it that catholics don't support entrepreneurs well you might wonder what are you talking about so i'm going to speak about my experience online and a lot of times i do speak about my online experience just so you guys know i do have an offline life a very busy, robust offline life, and I hope you all do as well. But since most of you have found out about me through Facebook, I have to talk to you on that level because that's how we mostly interact. What I've noticed is that whenever there is an entrepreneur, especially a digital entrepreneur, meaning someone who makes money mostly online, by either offering a paid product, a how-to, or something like that, people have an issue. There is a well-known female entrepreneur who, I won't say her name, but you guys probably know who I'm talking about. She is a stylist. I know she's done personal development, a variety of different things. She's written a book or maybe even more than one book. She's well-known. But I met her through what she does online. And she has a Facebook group where she provides a lot of information, a lot of tips. She's been managing that group for a long time. People love the group. They comment, they participate. They love it. But whenever she offers a paid product, and by product, I just mean something that you can buy, whether it's a course or whatever, people seem to get uncomfortable with that. They don't like it. They feel that she should do things for free. She handles it pretty well, probably better than I would have, <laughs> to be honest, because that just really makes me annoyed. And I've seen people just make comments like things should be free when she offers so much for free. Why is it that Catholics feel that everything has to be free as if they're nuns or friars? Like everything has to be free for them. There is another woman. I wonder if it's a woman thing. Hmm. I don't think it's only a woman thing, but there's another woman well-known who owns a magazine. You all probably know who I'm talking about. She spends a lot of time providing a lot of information on her Facebook page. She spends a lot of time managing a Facebook group. She really motivates the people in the group. Yet whenever she posts a link to a book that she's promoting, and you know you don't make a lot of money off of books. Most authors do not make a lot of money off their books. One time she posted a link to one of her books and someone made a snotty comment about her trying to get money out of them or something like that. What is that? I had to jump in and say something because I thought that was ridiculous. When I see the amount of time that she put into managing her pages and her magazine, which is basically a work of love. Guys, what is this idea of you're not going to make money off of me? When you go into a grocery store, do you look at the owner and say, you're not going to make money off of me buying your milk? Digital products are products that people put a lot of time in to produce. So if you didn't know how much work it takes to produce something digitally, I'm going to lay it out for you. We're going to take a look at what causes people to be averse to others making money online, especially in the Catholic world. And if these reasons are valid, 
I'm going to save the last reason for last because I think it's the primary reason. So we'll save that for last. Welcome to Lifesmithing. My name is Cynthia Burley. The first reason that I think people don't like to support online entrepreneurs is because they think they're not qualified to offer something up for sale. What I did notice when I converted from Protestantism to Catholicism is that in Catholicism, there is more of an emphasis on your credentials. For example, people don't want you to talk about theology unless you have a theology degree. I'm not going to say that's wrong. I think it's important to know what you're talking about. I am going to say that just because you don't have a master's of divinity or, or master's in theology does not mean that you don't understand theology. Guys, we need to come to terms that we live now in a digital world. Education has been turned on its face. You can now teach yourself almost anything. I'm not talking about how to be an engineer, although you can teach yourself something like programming, you know, the whole learn to code movement. But there are many things you can teach yourself if you have the intellectual capacity to learn it. We're all good at certain subjects, and there are certain things that we can teach ourselves like science, programming, understanding people, the faith. You can concentrate on one area of the faith and become an expert at it. For example, I'm not saying I'm an expert, but the area that I love to study is the interior life. So because of that, I might know a lot more than someone else who doesn't spend that much time immersed in it. We have unlimited access to information. You can see a book that has information that you need. Order it and have it at your doorstep the next day. If you are dedicated, if you are focused, you can teach yourself a discipline. For example, I taught myself about temperaments. I do have a degree in psychology, but of course we didn't focus on temperaments. I mean, not really. I taught myself about temperaments because it was something that interested me. It's something that I have an affinity for. And so I researched, I took the time, I invested my time and money in learning about temperaments so that I can teach someone else about temperaments. So now if I offer a course, and believe me, I will be offering courses soon where I say, I'll teach you how to do whatever. Is someone going to come to me and say, but what is your degree in temperaments? It's ridiculous. What it comes down to is if you're able to offer something of value, then someone will pay for it. I don't like the Catholic attitude of you must have this many degrees after your name. Another thing I focus on and I've taught myself because it's something I find important is the interior life. I'm really focused on, on that. And I read a lot about the interior life. And no, I'm not going to go and take on student loans and go pay for an expensive degree in whatever would cover the interior life. I don't know if it's theology or, or what. I have enough degrees. I'm not getting any more. And no one's going to force me to go and spend thousands of dollars just so now I can say, okay, now do you believe I know what I'm talking about? It's either I know what I'm talking about or I don't. Okay? You decide. If I offer something that you think helps you, then you will patronize my business. 
So let's get a little away from that. Believe me, the world is turning upside down. Everything is going to change. It doesn't always make sense now to go and get an advanced degree that you're going to end up going into debt for. This is not the world we live in anymore, and I think it's good. Okay, the second reason why I think people feel a little uncomfortable about supporting online entrepreneurs is that they're uncomfortable with the idea of having money. Oh, they don't mind if you go off to the factory and work and get a paycheck, or you're part of the corporate cog and you're grinding every day and then you get a salary. They don't mind that. They're not going to judge you on that. Even if you get a salary that's 100K plus, they're not going to judge you on that. But if you make 100K plus on your own through hard work, they have a problem with that. So in other words, it's okay to kill yourself if you're killing yourself or someone else. But it's not okay to put in hard work to be successful at your own business. Does that make any sense whatsoever? Folks, it is not a sin to be rich or to have money. What's a sin is attachment to money. In any business that you start up, whether it's a grocery store, whether it's a tailoring business, you're going to have to put in a lot of work on the front end to make it successful. If you're good at what you do, you're going to make money, point blank. Now, some people are satisfied with just making a little bit of money. They're okay. As long as they're able to pay their basic bills, that's fine. And some people have more of a desire to do more. And you might say, well, that's the sin of ambition and you shouldn't be ambitious. We're talking about temperaments here. Some temperaments strive for more. The question is, once you strive and you achieve, what do you do with it? Do you buy five cars? Do you buy a 10,000 square foot house? Or do you take some of that money and use it for the glory of God? It's not a sin to be rich. It's a sin to be attached to worldly goods. We need rich people in the Catholic faith. Who do you think built these wonderful, beautiful churches? It was people of means. Who do you think built these monasteries? Who do you think helped to support some of these religious people of means? And fortunately, we live in a world where you don't have to have money in your family for generations. You can be poor and you can become a person of means. And when we come back, we'll take a look at two more reasons that I think people don't support Catholic entrepreneurs, especially digital entrepreneurs. And remember, I'm saving the best for last. Hi there, this is Cynthia Burley. Please subscribe to Life Smithing with Cynthia Burley on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google. If you listen to us on iTunes and you love this podcast, we would be so ecstatic if you would give us a five-star review. Giving us five-star reviews help us to reach more people. Thank you so much and God bless. Before I continue to the next two reasons, I want to take the time to clarify that when I say that Catholics don't support other Catholic entrepreneurs, I'm not speaking of things that are traditionally Catholic, like making rosaries or having a Catholic bookstore or making mantillas or vestments. Those Catholics will support. But for some reason, anything else that's not a physical product 
they have a problem with. That's what I mean. For example, if I wanted to do a course on how to navigate in your first year as a convert and I charge money for it, they would have a problem with that. But if I wrote a physical book that was published and said, how to navigate through your first year of Catholicism, they'd have no problem with it because they know a physical book, ah, at the most, maybe I'll make $2 off of it. For some reason, people feel that when you're offering stuff online, you're making money off the faith. Let me just tell you guys that you know how one of the sins I cry out to heaven is not to defraud a worker of his wages? Granted, these aren't wages because no one is paying the person. They're paying themselves. But in a way, if you try to block someone from making an income, if their expertise or their niche is the Catholic faith, you're trying to defraud them of their wages. Let me explain to you how much work goes into building an online business or apostolate. Okay, so I have a couple of Facebook pages. I can't even keep track of them. They're just too many. I, I always think about how I can consolidate them. I wish I could afford to have someone just manage them because I really can't. The largest one is beautysoancient.com. Now, that's a small page compared to some huge pages that are 100, 100K plus, but it's a decent page compared to a lot of other pages. I'd say it's probably, if you look at all the pages on Facebook, because a lot of people start pages, Mine is a little bit over 20K, maybe 21K. It's a time to get to 21K. Now, sometimes you start a page and your topic is so amazing. It goes viral. Before you know it, you're at 40K. I've seen some pages reach that and good for them. But what I discuss on that page is not one of those popular topics that are going to explode. So for me to get to 21K, I had to put in a lot of work. I can't explain to you guys. You think it's easy coming up with all these images and quotes. You think it doesn't take time? It takes hours. There was a time I was posting like eight posts a day. It takes hours. It took so much of my time. And I used to get annoyed because I had other things to do. But I do it because I focus on the interior life. And I want people to really understand how important it is. So that took me that much time. Now, Believe me, guys, and I'm telling you now so you're not surprised, very soon I will be coming out with courses that I'm offering up for sale. You see, Beauty So Ancient is an umbrella of all the Catholic-related niches that I have online. Now, I do coaching as well, but you guys have mostly seen me just posting free stuff online, and I've gotten so many messages telling me how amazing the information is and how I've helped. I got people asking me for advice all the time that I give out for free, okay? I don't push that much the money-making side of my business, so I mostly do everything for free. But I will start offering courses soon. Let me tell you what is involved in offering a course. You have to do research, okay? You have to come up with an outline and a structure. You have to really think about how you can help the person. You have to organize it. Then you have to... Create the course, the design, the videos, the marketing material. If you're a solopreneur and you don't have help, you have to do this all this on your own. That takes hours and hours and hours and hours. 
Then you have to put it all together. Now you have to go and market the course and whatever that might entail. Once you present the course, you have to keep maintaining it. You have to provide support for it. You have to always be looking at the comments, the feedback, so you can respond to it. You have to think of ways of making it better. You have to keep an accounting record. You have to analyze your promotion and see what you could do better. You have to invest money in promoting it. All this takes hours. Even for an audio course, it might be an hour. It takes days and weeks to produce such a course. I can tell you that even producing this podcast, you know, I'll come up and do a 10, 15 minute podcast. It takes me a long time. I have to come up with ideas and I like to give reference materials. So I have to research that and give you guys some good links. It takes a long time. Do I not deserve to be paid for my work because my work is in the Catholic niche, Catholic faith arena? Do you tell a professor who teaches the faith that he does not deserve his 80K salary? Do you complain about that? Do you tell a Catholic college that you're not paying their $30,000 yearly tuition? Or do you just go and attend? Guys, guys, guys. As I said before, this is a digital age. And if you guys support traditional marriage and traditional role of wives, you're going to have to also support the Proverbs 31 woman who goes out into the marketplace and sells her wares. This is the same thing. I see a lot of stay-at-home moms who try to do something on the side. Sometimes they sell rosaries. I try to support them when I can. You know, some of them are farmers or they, they try to do different things. It's in the same way, if someone is doing something online to help to bring in some income to their family, it is not your place to tell them you're trying to make money off of the faith. If you don't like what they're offering, if it's not helpful to you, then just don't buy it, plain and simple. This is how the market works. But do not go and criticize them because they're trying to make a living. All right, now we come to the last reason that I think that people have a problem with Catholic entrepreneurs who make money in the Catholic space. The final reason why I think people are averse to entrepreneurs or digital entrepreneurs making money, well, I'm not going to tell you yet. I'm going to illustrate first what I mean. There is a well-known theologian slash podcaster slash course creator I'm going to say who he is because he's big enough that probably all of you know him. And what happened to him recently happened pretty publicly. So I'm going to say Taylor Marshall. Now, you know, Taylor Marshall just came out with a book called Infiltration. It's about the infiltration of the church and the crisis, etc. There is another I don't know how well-known he is because I haven't really seen him that much, but I guess he's well-known to some people. Person in the same niche, I suppose. He's maybe a theologian too. I don't know, but he talks about the faith. I'm not going to mention him. He went on Amazon and wrote a horrible multi-page negative review. I'm going to call it a tome. That's how long it was. But what was interesting about his critique of the book, it's not just that he said he didn't like the book or it wasn't meaty enough. He did say those things as well. 
He started criticizing the fact that Taylor was a convert and who does he think he is, etc., etc. I just realized that he was extremely envious of him. And I saw other comments like that all over Catholic Facebook. Now, if someone writes a book, you don't have to like it. You can say, I don't think it was that good. But why are you ascribing negative motives? And the impression I got was that, oh, Taylor, you know, he entered the faith, doesn't even know that much. He thinks he knows so much. He's making money off of people. That's just envy. He's a wonderful marketer. I remember when I first saw him, I was like, oh, he's doing all the right things in terms of marketing because I study marketing. And I said, wow, he's doing all the right things. He has it together. This is before I realized he was really this big. And he is this big because he's good at marketing. Maybe the other guy that was criticizing him, maybe he's better than him at the material. Maybe he's more educated than him. I don't know. But he's not as good at marketing. And so it was obvious that he was envious that Taylor was able to reach so many people and probably make a good living because people like what he's offering. He was envious of that. So let's talk about envy. And it's very hard to admit that you're envious. There have been times that I've noticed that I'm envious about something and I try to work on that because I can recognize it. But there are some people who refuse to even look inward and see when they're envious. So I'm going to read from a wonderful book called Sins of the Tongue or Jealousy in Women's Life by Monseigneur Landriot. I referred to this book before in one of my other podcasts because I did a podcast on, on jealousy and envy. You feel jealous of your own possessions, envious of those of others. Jealousy wishes to retain something belonging to ourselves or which we think ought to belong to us, while envy is a sort of madness which cannot endure to witness the prosperity of others. There is someone who is richer and more considered in society than yourself, and you are troubled at it. You feel humiliated and pained by the sense of your own inferiority, and you would willingly strip such a person of the esteem and good fortune he enjoys in order to enrich yourself with his spoils. That is a sin of envy. And there are various forms of envy. The book goes on to talk, and I'm going to paraphrase here. You might be envious of someone's beauty. They have a greater beauty than yourself. And if someone says, this person is beautiful, you get angry. It says, oh, the wretches that dare give utterance to such an impertinence. Do they not know they are putting you on the rack, showing you no pity and exciting a storm of envy in your heart? And here's another example. You're envious of someone's authority. You possess some authority and others repose a certain amount of confidence in you. But you cannot be satisfied unless all this devolves wholly and entirely on yourself. And cannot bear that others should share it with you, even though they may be legitimately entitled to do so. In this case, you may be said to be jealous of authority and the esteem of others. I want to read some more from this wonderful book that we've been talking about, Sins of the Tongue or Jealousy in Woman's Life. Needless to say, men are just as jealous and envious as women. Women, though, have the reputation of being catty and making little snarky comments that 
derived from envy and jealousy. Do people tend to be jealous or envious? Hmm, I'd say so. A lot of people are envious. And I think anyone who says they've never been envious don't understand what envy is. So to quote from the book, there are more disinterested than unenvious people in the world. And yet, my children, the number of disinterested people in this world is very small. Self-interest and immoderate attachment to the goods of this life are epidemics which have always more or less prevailed here below. This is a fact. And yet the moralist is not wrong in asserting that the unenvious are still rarer. You hear that? If you say you've never been envious, I'm a little skeptical. Talent, wealth, beauty, position in society, the esteem enjoyed by others, the place they hold either in public opinion or in their relations to others, all these serve as food for envy and jealousy. There are some proud, egotistical, envious natures in this world with whom it seems a necessity to decry others, to implant a sting, and leave the mark of their teeth in everything good. Do you know someone, as soon as they see something good, they have to find the negative? Very strange. Speak to them of the beauty of Rheims Cathedral, and they will remark how unfortunate it is that the statue over the portal should have its nose mutilated. Tell them that such a one is good, upright, and charitable, and they will instantly come out with some unfounded piece of gossip they have accidentally picked up somewhere or other in order to diminish at least your good opinion of him. A German philosopher spoke in the following terms of a lady of his acquaintance. This is what he said. I have now twice met Madame de la Roche and find her just the same person she was at 20, just as prone to decry others, always exalting the commonplace and vilifying everything great and eminent, dressing up all topics with a sauce of her own making and inviting you to regale yourself with it. How faithful and exact a description. How many such sneering characters do we not meet in this world? And how many mediocre and evilly disposed persons who seek with the force of their own wickedness to hammer down to the level of their own inferiority all that is superior to them. They exalt the commonplace, and when doing so, it is themselves whom they are secretly seeking to enhance. For all that is commonplace is their proper element. They vilify goodness and greatness, for whatever is eminent seems a reproach to them, and a reflection on their mediocrity and folly. Hmm. And what is most deplorable is that these sowers of discord can always find ears sufficiently credulous or malicious to give credit to their tales. Thus, says St. Chrysostom, is the Church of Christ continually agitated and disturbed. Ah, if the minds of Christians were filled with great and noble ideas, if their intellects were enlightened with the light of faith, their hearts inflamed with the ardors of charity, the bias of their characters formed on the model of the great saints of the primitive church, would they have time to trouble themselves about these petty things or leisure to occupy themselves with all these miserable trifles? Piety is unfortunately too often made an affair of outward forms and observances, and religion is cut down to suit the ideas of narrow-minded, petty souls, while behind the screen of exterior forms and practices, we find all the trivialities and the formidable passions of suspicious, 
jealous, spiteful, and vindictive minds who tear their neighbor's character to shreds with the hypocritical smoothness of a plausible tongue. Wow. If this didn't convict some of you, I don't know. So to sum it up, people are envious because they see others achieving what they cannot. They don't strive for anything. They're comfortable where they are. And so they feel that everyone should be the same. Anyone who sticks out or tries to do a little more, they become envious. And so they look to pull them down to their level. They look for the flaws. So if they're doing something good, they look for something bad. If someone is very well liked, then they comment, This person is not as nice as they appear. They do this because of insecurity in themselves. And we know that envy is a sin. So when you see an entrepreneur out there working hard, marketing her or his business, producing something of value that people like, you don't have to buy it. You don't have to think it's a good product. But you don't have to put the person down. You can say, well, I don't really particularly like the product. But make sure you're not saying it because you're envious. If you want to give an opinion, that's okay. But don't try to ascribe negative motives to what they're doing. Don't say, oh, they're just trying to make money. Okay, they are trying to make money. So what? When you go to work, are you not trying to make money? Is money only legitimate when somebody else is paying you your wages? As a Catholic, you should encourage anybody who tries to make a living on their own and not be attached to some corporation. In truth, a lot of us have to work for corporations because we're not able to make money on our own. There's a lot of negative aspects to that. You have to be away from your family. You have to spend a lot of hours there. You have to put up with all the nonsense. You have to put up with all the secular HR garbage you try to push down your throat. I did this for years. For years, I was a sole provider of my household. Thank God, right now, I am married to a wonderful man who likes me to be a traditional wife. So I'm able to work on my own projects while he goes out and makes some money. But working for a corporation or working for a store is one way of making money. But even better, in my opinion, is if we as Catholics can try to make money on our own. Because when you make money on your own, you're not indebted to anybody. When you work for yourself, you have a lot more freedom. For example, no one can tell me I have to work on a Sunday. Unfortunately, some jobs require that you work on a Sunday. But if you're an entrepreneur, you decide when you want to work. We should celebrate that. There's a little saying that says, don't hate, imitate. So if you find that when you look at an entrepreneur online who's marketing their business and you get these little feelings of annoyance or jealousy and you start to think, they're all trying to make money off the faith, that's wrong. And you start having all these thoughts, just realize that it's coming from a place of envy. And this is why I saved envy for last because I believe that envy is the primary reason that undergirds everything. Any reason that you throw at me. If you say he's trying to be rich, envy. If you say, you know, he thinks he knows it all, envy. If you say he's a convert and converts should wait at least 20 years until they can talk about the faith, envy. Envy is at the root of it all. After saying all these hard words, I want to wish you all a blessed day. Saint Ignatius of Loyola says, He who goes about to reform the world must begin with himself, or he loses his labor. Until we decide to reform ourselves, 
we cannot hope to have any influence on our families, our culture, our politics, our world.